It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Get ready for a lot of fun and excitement. Strap it in. I know you're going to dig this. It's Bears Nation, baby. To the Batmobile. Let's go. All right, welcome back, Bears Nation podcast. It is Monday, November 20th, and the Bears have lost another game. (laughs) Stop me if you've heard that one before. Myself, Jake Hassan, joined as always by Kevin Lapka. And actually, it's going to be a little bit different today because even though the Bears did lose, same old, same old there, there was actually the return of Justin Fields to talk about. There was... Takeaways from the defense. Defense played actually decent. You kind of play a close game against the Lions, who are eight and two and a really good football team. And there's actually a lot to break down. It's not just the same old, oh, what we lost. Okay, well, business as usual. There's actually a lot of things that we need to talk about about this game. And uh, if you've been anywhere on the internet in the last 24 hours or so, there's already been discourse about it happening. So we'll get into that. But uh, Kevin, how are we feeling? (laughs) What a game. One of the most frustrating games I've ever been a part of. Just an absolute collapse. Um, let, let me read you this to start it off, all right? Since 1932, no team with a plus three turnover margin and 40 plus, 40 plus minutes of time possession had ever lost a game under those circumstances. Teams were 48 and 0 in those situations with the plus three turnover margin of 40 plus minutes time position and you find a way to lose and I tweeted yesterday and you play on Monday night so I don't expect it to happen today but like I know I've been doing this all year we've been doing it all year and I just have this irrational faith that it's going to happen but like I truly believe they're getting fired tomorrow I truly do I think why that that was the because why not well I mean they play on Monday the, the Raiders fired Josh McDaniels on a Tuesday on Tuesday night there's a little bit of precedent for that right maybe you kind of let things settle down maybe what you do is instead of like making a rush decision you kind of decide who the interim is right you, you you get that together you notify all the players and then you make the official you know statement announcement on Tuesday after you have everything in place so then on Tuesday you can kind of go through things uh normally with your interim staff and whatnot but I mean, it it has to happen, and if there's a silver lining, and we'll detail it throughout the show, it's the fact that I tweeted it, and I believe this is the case, the future of the Bears and what you should do. There's been so much ambiguity. It's never been more clear in my eyes. It's never been more clear what to do with the number one overall pick. It's never been more clear what to do with the coaching staff, and it's never been more clear on what to do with Justin Fields and what his place is with the future of this team. So that's where I'm at after this game. We're going to go through it in detail how it happened, but... I don't want to like it. I don't want to have to look at it and say, "Hey, we 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 got better draft positioning." Like I'm just so done with it at this point. Can we get a win? Can I be happy on Sunday for once? No, I can't. There is the silver lining. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there is it. There is a positive aspect that you do have better draft positioning now. But you don't want to have to feel that way. Like, sure. you, would you have rather come out of that game with a win this year? Yes. Last year, sure. When you're tanking because you only own your own pick, yes. But you are already going to get the number one overall pick. The Giants just won with Tommy DeVito. Like, Caroline is That's not going to surrender. DeVito, yeah. yeah, the legend. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that was, but huge for me in Survivor. I don't know, Jake. You took the Giants in Survivor? No, 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 no. no. I had. Uh, I took the Dolphins, but oh. the, a thirty percent of the pool had the Commanders. Uh, so huge okay. for me to get those people knocked out. But do you agree that I saw you tweet it? And Shane in the chat is going to reference this. Uh, you were talking about Marvin Harrison Jr., number one overall. Yes. 
Is the future so, as clear as ever for the so, Chicago Bears? So let me address one thing first. The coaching staff getting fired. I don't think it happens this week. I think it makes way more sense to wait until you get your ass kicked by Josh Dobbs and Justin Jefferson on Monday night than you go into the bye. That makes way more sense, doesn't it? Because yeah. if they were like, why... Why but do like, why delay it at this point? It's already it's already week twelve. What what's the point of delaying? Like like the timing doesn't matter well, because at this you're point. saying like you give them the extra time, you give them the normal. Like I guess like and also it's the Bears. They don't do this. We had this conversation so many times in the in the life of this podcast, and it's just to me that if they were going to do it, they would wait until the bye. I don't think they're going to do it. I think that this coaching staff is safe until the end of the year because you've already had so much turnover with assistants already. So it's like, you know why? Like who, who we, we did this exercise a couple weeks ago. Like who even takes over as interim head coach? Like it just doesn't make sense. I think everyone makes it to the end of the year and then they get fired. Um, it's so clear that uh, Matt Eberflus is in over his head. Um, I mean, credit, to Luke Getze, who actually looked like he knew Credit how to, to use Luke Justin Fields a little bit yesterday. Um, but yeah, to, to answer your question, this is now three straight games of Justin Fields playing well. Uh, three straight full games. It was the Denver game, the Commanders game. You have the Vikings game as a wash because he didn't finish that game mm-hmm. and the thumb injury that infamously happened. And he's been out. And then he comes back today, and yeah, there were some throws that were missed, and there was a little bit of rust, but you knew that was going to happen. The guy hasn't thrown a football in game action in a month. There was going to be a little bit of rust that happened there. So, makes sense, and Justin Fields had a good day. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and nitpick a couple missed throws or some decision, like decision making where he held on to the ball too long or whatever. But he played well. Like at, at the end of the day. The, the line for Justin Fields is 16 for 23, 169 yards, a touchdown, and he was awesome on the ground, hundred over 100 yards on the ground. And the improvisation was there with his legs. Mm-hmm. Still have to see, like, now everything isn't hunky-dory. Still got to continue to play this well, 100%. but this is a decent Lions defense. This is a playoff Lions team. And now you go and you have extra time before you – Go against the Minnesota Vikings who are injured, who are fighting for the playoffs, but still like you can perform well against them. And then you have the Lions again at home. And then the real test against the Browns, who might have the defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett, and the Cardinals Falcons Packers, who are all terrible. Like this is what my thing has always been with Justin Fields. It's consistency. So can he play this well throughout the rest of the year? But to answer your question, if if the season ended today and you took Marvin Harrison Jr. number one overall, I I wouldn't be super upset about it. Like I would see how you can make the case if you get the right coach who is thinks that he can work with Fields and his talents, then I wouldn't hate it. And I was having this conversation with Isaac Trotter yesterday because we were watching the game together. I said if you take Harrison Jr. first overall and then you take one of these edges in the top five, like. You're and then you pair them with Montez team. Sweat. It's not bad. It, it's really, really not bad. So I'm open. Oh, I've always, I know that a lot of the listeners of this podcast are like, oh, Jake just wants to make any case he can that Justin Fields shouldn't be the quarterback of this team. I've been critical of Justin Fields, but I've always maintained that I'm open to the idea of him being the quarterback of this team if he can play well and play consistently. You have six more games. If you could keep stacking this and keep playing well, then yeah, absolutely. Like, great, cool. I'm especially like I 
I don't even know. Like, I don't know if Caleb Williams has like the mental fortitude <laughs> to be an NFL quarterback at this point. Um, and Drake may, whatever you think of him, uh, I fall more towards that. I think he's going to be good, but whatever. I, I'll hear arguments for either side. Right. So yeah, like I am like Marvin Harrison Jr. So good. And like you read mock drafts and you read like draft analysts reports. It's like, yeah, this guy is the best player in the draft. He's not going to go number one overall because somebody's going to take a quarterback, but he's the best player in the draft. Like people are saying that. So if the bears are in this position and it's really funny to hear like, yeah, you're going to have the number one overall pick. Remember when I tried to tell you that two months ago? Remember when I tried to tell you you were going to have the number one overall pick, and you were like, no, no. football's too random. There's it's still, not going to happen. I didn't say no. I just say <laughs> it's, said, it's unlikely. Said I said no. it's unlikely, okay. which is, it's, it, it may statistically still be. Anyway, but I digress. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's an option that's on the table as far as taking it Marvin is. Harrison Jr. number one overall. It's just, look, th- why, from what you watched yesterday, from what you watched the previous two games before that, why would you even take the risk of a Caleb Williams or Drake May? Like, I understand, like we talked about last week, five weeks ago, you may argue that there was no risk associated with K.A. Williams, right? Or not no risk, but limited risk, that he's this generational prospect that's guaranteed to be better than Justin Fields. That's not the case anymore. There's a lot to be discovered about Drake May and what he'll be, and I don't think you'll know that until he gets to the NFL, honestly, and see what situation he's put in. Why take the risk when you know, you know for a fact that Justin Fields is a capable player in the NFL who can win you football games or at least put you in the position to win you football games if he has a damn coaching staff that'll help him do it, right? And create and be the centerpiece of an offense that's in, that's explosive. And you're really just a couple pieces away from that offense being a complete top 10. Off- like, you really are that close. And on the play where Tyler Scott drops the ball, the deep ball, Marvin Harrison Jr. makes that play. Like, you shouldn't be in a position where Tyler Scott's on the field to make that play in that moment. Like, you sure. should add better players able to make plays in that moment. And Marvin Harrison Jr. catches that football, and he also runs it in for a touchdown. Like, he is that good. He is a missing piece to this team. And I know there's people who say, well, you have a wide receiver one in DJ Moore. Why take Marvin Harrison Jr.? Well, I hate to break it to you. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be better than DJ Moore. And, I mean, that, that that is just going to be a fact. But you can never have too many good wide receivers. Like, the Bears don't yeah. really have a true wide receiver receiver two right now just with the way Darnell Mooney's been playing he hasn't been getting the ball a ton and you have to remember Marvin Harrison Jr. was in school with Justin Fields we have to remember those things if you want to play that game I'm sure we'll play that game for the next five months until the draft but that's a real thing there's a there's a connection there they didn't throw the ball to him a lot because uh it was his first year um and Marvin Jr. barely got any time but well there are also guys named Chris Olave and and Jenkins Smith and and Jim too and Garrett Wilson so Uh, so pretty hard for that guy to get on the field but look I I just I don't know how you walk away from that game still being unsure about Justin Fields and yes he has six more games he still has to prove himself over the next six he can't regress after this he can't take a step back right but there were what he did yesterday was far far exceeded most people's expectations for a player coming off of injury for a player in his situation i mean sure. we thought that he not we but there were people who thought that he was cooked he was done he wouldn't really even try for this team anymore he doesn't want to play for that right like like mm-hmm. there were narratives being thrown around obviously we're, we're, we're four weeks off of uh you know, Tyson Bajant narratives about him being better than Justin Fields. And boy, did that get erased after one drive. And thank God. Um, but I just, I don't know how, if you're Ryan Poles and you were at the Notre Dame USC game where Caleb Williams threw interceptions, and then you've watched every game with Justin Fields and you've made this sort of statement what Ian Rapport tweeted a couple days ago about the seven games thing felt very mm-hmm. close to the Chicago Bears organization as if they put that out there as sort of a message. 
if you put that out there and you've watched Justin Fields, I don't know how you approach the offseason thinking that he is not the guy to build around going forward. Yeah, if this keeps up, I, I agree with you. Uh, definitely an argument for it now, and we'll see how you play over the next six games. Uh, that's the biggest part here. But I think you're right. Uh, expectations weren't super high. I mean, for me, expectations for Fields in this game weren't super high just because of the nature of the injury. Thumb injury dislocated on his throwing hand, and the whole thing was, well, his grip strength, and that's what's been holding him out, and blah, 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 blah. So, like, that's why my expectations were lowered for fields or at least not as not very high because just the nature of the injury, but understandable it's, and even, even though I had adjusted expectations, I was still fairly impressed. And and I know we've, that's basically what we've been talking about this whole episode this time, but like, you know, they let him throw it 23 times and it's still like the DJ Moore connection is still there. It's just so blatant how badly this team needs another playmaker on the outside. Mm-hmm. I like Cole Komet. I famously oh, am yeah. a big Cole Komet guy. Oh, yeah. But when he's your second best receiver right now, and it's just like he's not – we've seen him go on the outside and make plays down the sideline, but it's like that's just not his like bread and butter, so to speak. You need somebody else. And mm-hmm. so that's where the conversation for Marvin Harrison Jr. comes in because then you have three legitimate options. Again, I like Cole Komet. I just think that he's a great TE1. He's very good at that, but he's not like he's not your wide receiver too. Can't be. So that's just – I mean, you're right. It, it's And if anything, something you said in the beginning of the episode was, I want to get wins. I want to – because you have the Carolina pick. I want wins. I don't. Lo- keep losing. Lose the, this is – this was ideal scenario. Fields plays well. I don't know about ideal. You still lose the game, and it really wasn't even his fault. Like, yeah, you can make your gripes about the sack at the end of the game, the strip sack that led to the safety, but like, should never been in that position. It's not like whatever. I don't. I don't really like the defensive line of the Lions is really good, and Aiden Hutchinson is really good. So, and it gets a rookie right tackle who we like, but still, like, he's a rookie right tackle going against Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Yeah, no doubt that's not going to go great for him. But my point being that. You should still want to lose games. You're not making playoffs. You're not going anywhere. So you might as well get that better draft pick. The Giants winning is huge for you yesterday. You move up a spot now. Like, would you really rather not like win two meaningless games and then pick ninth or tenth as opposed to being able to get one of these edges or get like and not Brock Bowers if you could take Marvin Harrison Jr. number one, but like you know what I mean? Like take one of these edges to pair with Montez Sweat, or maybe you do take an offensive lineman, even though I think the Bears like Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright. Like I just think that makes way more sense because we're talking about building around fields. All right, in this scenario, the higher the draft pick, the better that is for you. I I just, look, you're going to get a good player if you win that game or not. Like, that's the thing for me. You're going to get a top 10 player if you win the game or not. We had this conversation last year. You want the pick of the litter. Yeah, but I, I, look... At some point, Why Jake, your options? for as bad as things have been the past two years, it honestly comes down to pride. It really does. And it comes down, and I know it's really cliche and stupid, and I don't always agree with this, but like, you know, knowing how to win and learning how to win and the young players in the building, not just Justin Fields, sure. but the rookies and Donald Wright and seeing what wins mean uh, and, 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 you know, learning from losses and being able to stack wins, right? This organ- this franchise under Matt Eberflus has not won back-to-back games. Like, well, that's, why that's one of the fired. most, and that's why he's getting fired. And look, if, if you're talking about silver linings, with losing, which again, there are some, and the draft pick thing is one, and I understand what you're coming from, and I don't necessarily, ar- uh, uh, I don't, I don't argue against that, but 
The other thing that we talked about was we feared that Justin Fields would play so well he'd make the coaching staff look good. And that was my biggest fear over the next seven games and how you know they're kind of putting out, oh, it's it's his seven games to prove, not ours. It's mm-hmm. his seven games to prove. Sure. And that has completely flipped yep. because of that loss. Correct. Now, Justin Fields is probably safer than you are. It's your six games now to prove. And I don't think you can do it. Because there's Agreed. too much past and too much history. Uh, that well, also there's so many like people reporting it now too. Like you go on Twitter, like everybody, like people in football are like, yeah, this guy's bad at his job. I mean, yeah, it's it, he, he's not going to stick around. And as, again, I, I still like I, I don't think there's any chance of it. But all it takes is one win, and then people start to see the bright side of it and say, well, you know, the defense, you know, you know, you do all these different things and the things that we've done the past couple weeks after the Commanders game and after you know the couple Bajant wins and like, oh, maybe Eberflus can coach this team. No, and that's why again, just fire the freaking like I promise you, if they fired him on Tuesday or Monday, they win against Minnesota. They probably lose against Detroit at home. Maybe. I mean, I I was right about Detroit being beatable. I was sure. right about You're having a, a game to plan. Game. To, to, they should have won the game. They, 99.6% chance to win the game or whatever on ESPN, blah, 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 blah. Like, we, were, they, we know they're a beatable team. But if you fire Eberflus on Tuesday, you're, you're going to have a Raiders-esque you know, following to that where sure. you win the next couple games and then you kind of fall off against a good team like the Browns, right? Like something mm-hmm. like that. But like... Just the elimination of Matt Eberflus would, I think, fire up the team a little bit. And I'm not saying they haven't been playing hard, but we would see probably better decision-making from uh, Andrew Hightower, like uh, maybe from Andrew Janoko, uh, not Andrew, Andre Hightower, mm-hmm. right? And then Andrew Janoko, who's obviously really close with Justin Fields, I think would become the interim offensive coordinator. We'd probably see some better decisions tailored around him um, going forward. So look, I, I just, it's just, I can't understand why I under... Let me say, I get that they haven't done it in history, right? That they haven't fired a coach in season. There's a first for everything. Again, this is also a first for everything. Yeah, It's never been this bad with the coaching staff. So if you want to make that argument, I think there's validity to the idea that they are going to fire them. And if you're listening to this on Tuesday and he hasn't been fired, you probably think I'm a damn idiot. But like... I, I really... I think it's going to happen. I really do. I I think he's going to get fired on Tuesday. I still still think that it... They would do it right before the bye, like yeah. after this game against Minnesota. Okay, sure. After the bye, whatever it is, in that, season. I think if it, I agree that it seems like we're closer than ever to doing it, like closer than we have been in the past, whether it was Nagy, whether it was Tressman, whether it was whoever. I feel like we are closer than we ever have been in the past to a head coach getting fired in season. I think with the bye coming up, like I think if the bye had happened already, there would be no chance. They would just be like, nope, we're, we're yeah. going through. I think with the bye imminent, there is a chance that Kevin Warren is like, you know what? We're we're going to give him 10 days or however long, you know, like get everyone out of the building, go do whatever, and then give the interim coaches a chance to, you know, a week off to gather themselves and get things together and then just come in on the following Monday with a plan of attack for the final five games. But it just feels like I just can't believe that this organization is going to take that kind of action. But you're right. There's a first time for everything. I could be wrong. Sure. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, Maddie Bufluson may be fired, and I look like the idiot, which happens a lot on this show. But I just I, I'm not expecting it. I do think that Eberflus is going to get fired eventually at the end of the season. Um, but I just don't believe that it's imminent. And to your point though, like if this is what it's gonna be. And because it's just, you see it like he's in over his head, just critical mistakes that are made in crunch time. And it's just like, 
how can you validate keeping this guy around? It's just he clearly, sure, you want to make arguments for that the defense has played better, and they have played better for sure, and maybe a little bit of his that Jared Goff is you know not an MVP, shocker. Um, but it's just that you can't get me. Could you validate keeping him as defensive coordinator? I don't think you can. And we Probably talked not, about right? that because consistency with the system and the players are familiar. And I don't think the players hate Matt. Like, this isn't a Josh McDaniel situation. Like, they don't hate Matt Eberflus. Like, he's not like a bad guy. He's just not a good coach. Um, but if you are bringing in and ushering in a new head coach, say it's Jim Harbaugh. You think Jim Harbaugh is going to keep Matt Eberflus around? You know, like, you kind of got to start fresh. If you want to usher in a new era, it's got to be truly a new era. Sure. Everything's got to be changed. Like, I, I, you know, say what you want about Matt Eberflus and the defense being better. That's also a defense that surrendered two touchdowns in four minutes to lose the game. And and, sure. and, and some of it was his fault. I thought the coverages they were playing was stupid. I thought they were Not playing good, way yep. too soft in some situations, and they were getting way too complacent. They just let them trance down the field and, you know, 45 seconds to to make it a one-score game and end up winning the game. So uh, I, I think if you were to bring in a new head coach, like if you bring Ben Johnson in, like I don't think Ben Johnson's going to be like, yeah, let's just keep this Eberflus guy around. Sure. He's, they're they're going to want to pick their own guys. They're going to want to have you know their staff in there and, and, and truly make it a fresh start. So I don't think he's going to be kept around at all once he gets fired. Yeah, I think that. I mean, that makes the most sense, but again... And is the defense more of a testament of the system that he's running or the talent that they've acquired and the talent that has made them better, right? Because I really think that's what it is. And we talked about this, like, the talent on paper, is it's good. It's objectively good, yeah. right? I mean, like, look at yesterday in a microcosm alone. Like, all your big money guys made a play yesterday. TJ Edwards had an interception. Tremaine Edmonds had an interception. Montez Sweat had a sack. I, I think there's validity to that, for sure. So who didn't have... who? Which... which supposedly big money player didn't have a big play yesterday. Are you about to start making the case to let Jalen Johnson walk? No, I'm not making the case. No, I, I don't want Jalen Johnson to walk, but Jalen Johnson lost millions of dollars on Sunday. He lost millions of dollars on you Sunday. Think? He did that play. If he were to, and that, Hey, look, I understand that's why he plays cornerback. There's a reason he doesn't play wide receiver. There's a reason he plays cornerback is he can't catch football, right? That, that's the old adage, sure. right? That play like who, who who's on who does Jay, who does Jalen Johnson think is on his level? Like like let let's throw names out there. Like does he think does he actually think he's on the same level as Sauce Gardner? Does he actually <sighs> think he's on the same level as Jalen Ramsey? Because Jalen Ramsey takes that to the house. He had two interceptions yesterday mm-hmm. against the Raiders. He takes that to the crib. Sauce Gardner takes that to the crib. Like the best. Like if he want because whether he thinks those guys are on his level or not. He wants to get paid like those guys. Right. If you want to get paid like those guys, you have to play like those guys. And that is a 14-point swing. They scored the next play after that. Yeah. That ball was in his hands. It's a tough play to make. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying this is an easy play. Like a, It's not a layup, but if you want to be one of the best players in the NFL and paid like one of the best players in the NFL at the cornerback position, you have to make that play. I think he lost millions of dollars on, on, on Sunday, and I think when they go into that negotiating room, Ryan Poles can kind of just like, Play that video on the screen and be like, yeah, you want $90 million? No, $85 million because of that. I think that you're right, and that's a play that needs to be made, and he is not on the same level as like the elite of the elite. I still think he's very good, uh, obviously, and you should keep him around. But, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I thought you were going to make the case for him to walk. And no, I was like, no, 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 no. Crazy. But he did have a PI. He had a bad game yesterday. Well, not bad, but he had well, that PI. It's, whatnot, it's also like no. what has like Jalen Johnson hasn't like ever since the Vegas game where he had the turnovers 
haven't seen anything. And and everyone after that Vegas game was like, oh, this is why you got to pay him. And it was the aftermath of like the trade rumors and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, you got to pay him. This is why you got to pay him tomorrow. And ever since then, he's kind of been MIA. Well, I mean, that's that's been his whole career because his sure. impact is taking guys away from the field and you never hear his name, which is a good thing as a cornerback and yada, yada, yada. But and to be fair, Amon Ross St. Brown only had 77 yards. Like, yeah, and most of his yards were on Kyler Gordon in the slot. Sure, Kyler yeah. Gordon was getting cooked by Amon Ra, but that's yeah, that not really his. From it, my bold prediction, but whatever. That's fine. I'm, I, Amon Ra is just a really good player. Like yes, I don't, I don't, I'm not very, he's very, Kyler. very good. Yes, correct. But yeah, I, I just, I, Jalen Johnson still want him to be here. Likely we'll get the franchise tag at this point, especially after that play. But like, if he makes that play. If he takes that to the, you win the game. If he takes that to the house, you win the game. If that's a fourteen point swing, it's a pick six, right? And those are crucial plays that you can leverage in negotiating tactics. And that would be his second pick six of the year, right? That's a rare to have multiple pick sixes in a year is a rare thing to happen, uh, unless you're Jerron Bland, who has four of them for the Cowboys through eleven that's games. That's crazy, yeah. um, unbelievable. But yeah, I just you know we won't spend too much time on that. But I I I, I just. Those are plays that the top guys in the league made. It was frustrating. It was really, really frustrating. And I know he probably feels that way too. I'm sure. I think he took his helmet off after the play, like kind of walked on the sidelines. And I think what was going through his head was like, just cash, just like, like flowing, like, like the blowing away in the wind. Blowing away in the wind. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Uh, I mean, that, that I don't like knock that too much. Like Jalen Johnson still is very good. And I mean, at the end of the day though, like, Again, I'm going to say, like, ideal situation. Like, I know it's not fun to root for losses. And I know, like, I sound like the worst fan in the world for wanting the Bears to lose. We weren't rooting for the loss. I don't think you were rooting. Were you actively rooting for them to lose I the game? I wasn't actively no. rooting for them to lose. But I, when they were, you know, right before the comeback for the Lions happened, I turned to Isaac Trotter and I go, you know they lose this game, right? And he goes, <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. And we were with uh, Isaac's wife. And she goes, what do you mean? And Like, they're winning. And it's the fourth quarter. And we're like... Just wait. Like there's there's a 100 percent chance that they lose this game right now. And sure enough, you know, 20 minutes later, there we are, and they have lost the game. And it's just so unsurprising at this point. But then you see that the Giants won. And honestly, like, I think you probably lose to the Cardinals. Like Kyler Murray's playing pretty well. Is that game at home? And I oh, I think it is. I think they I think both the Cardinals and the Falcons game are at home. Yes, yeah. uh, Cardinals and Falcons both at home. Christmas Eve, I don't think you lose that game. A little Christmas Eve action. I don't know. I don't know. Kyler's <laughs> playing pretty well, and at that point, like, if Eberflus is either fired, well, so that's the thing, too. If Eberflus is fired and you have an interim, maybe you win that game with that, you know, fired coach bump that you were talking about. I don't know. My point is being that, yeah, it's not fun to root for losses, but where we're at in the season, and if you want good players, this is an ideal way to get good players. Even if you end up trading down again, you get more assets, you have your pick of the litter, and that puts you in a better position. I get what you mean about, like, you need to learn how to win. I think you do that next year. Like, does does a win against the Cardinals this year really help you and really help your culture? The Cardinals are a bad team. Does a win against know, Arthur know, Smith, who's going to get fired, and Desmond Ritter really do a lot for your team? Like, it's again not trying to say root for losses. I get it; it's not fun, but do that. Have that be the expectation next year when you can add Marvin Harrison Jr. and another true blue chip person to walk in and be a starter right away. Like do that when you've built the team around fields, then you could be like, all right, now we got to win some games. Now we got to learn how to be an actual football team and go from there this year. It's you're not going anywhere. 
It's a it's a crapshoot. Yeah. Like your season is done. You're not making the playoffs. You're not going anywhere. A meaningless win doesn't help you. I'd argue that a meaningless win this year hurts you actually. And again, I know that sounds oh, lame and it's not fun. No. But the more games you win this no. year, the worse you're off for, come draft time. And I know everyone is as sick as we are about talking about draft position and looking forward to next year. But that's where you're at right now. You're three and eight, and you suck. So you want to not suck. You got to get better players. You still have a shit ton of money for the offseason for free agency, and you have two shots at two top five players. That's objectively a good thing. We can talk about not losing games next year because right now you are 11 weeks into the season. You got six games left. Sure, lose them all. I don't care because it sets you up better for next year, and we can talk about eight wins or nine wins maybe even if you're lucky depending on the schedule next year. I think, honestly, part of it, while you're watching that game, and I'm a victim of this, and I always am, is, like, the optimistic fan and everyone bleeds through when you're playing a game like that against a good team, an objectively good team. And, yeah, I said that I don't think the Lions are the class of the NFC when it comes to the Cowboys and the Niners and the Eagles, but they're a playoff team, and then, you know, we'll probably end up with a second seed or a third seed in the NFC, right? You know, they're a good team. Mm -hmm. And you're playing a good game against a good team, and you see Justin Fields play well, and you're like, wow, if this continues, like, okay, you're four and seven, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of, you you play in the hunt card. You play the in the hunt <laughs> card. You do. Everyone does. I did it at halftime. Like, every, you, you, you love you, you, the oh, in the hunt card. Oh, I love in the hunt you card. Love oh, my God. In the hunt card. But when you look at the Bears' schedule uh, the rest of the year, like, if you win that game, all right, you're four and seven. Mm-hmm. You play a Minnesota team that's very beatable sure. with Josh Dobbs. Then you play a Detroit team at home if you would have won the game that, you know, a team you had just beat or played really close. Then you play Cleveland, who has one of the best defenses in the NFL, but they do have Dorian Thompson-Robinson starting a like beat, w- winnable game. Then you play, uh, who is the Falcons after that? Or yes. the, uh, Fal- Falcons, beatable. Cardinals, beatable. Like, Packers, beatable. You have literally every game the rest of the way is a winnable game. Like, no team you made on— Make your case for 10-7 and seven around not, the table? I, 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 not 10-7, and seven, but I would have made the case for, like— That's what you would have been. No, well, if you run the table, but yeah. I would have made the case for like, okay, you probably lose one of them. You're nine and eight. You get in a nine and eight. Look at the NFC playoff picture here. At seventh is the Vikings at six and five. Mm-hmm. So if you would have beat, if you beat them, you probably would, you know, get the close to getting the tiebreaker. You probably could jump them. And then after that, like on the bubble, the eighth team in the NFC is the Green Bay Packers at four and six. Like this isn't the AFC where the eighth team is the Bills at six and five, and then after that is the Colts at five and five, and then the Broncos at five and five, and then the Bengals at five and five. Like. The 8, 9, 10, and 11 teams in the NFC are all 4 and 6. If you won that game, you would have been one game out of, like, the 8th seed in the NFC. Like, you literally could make the case. I would be on this podcast making some sort of case that maybe not, like, predicting that they would make it, but that there was a path and there was a chance and you had winnable games You'd across the schedule. The troops. Yeah, I would be rallying in the troops. So I think that is was sort of affecting my mindset when it comes to win-loss, did I want them to win? Like, objectively, once the game is over, you lose and you know that that playoff, the playoffs hopes are, uh, you know, essentially gone, then yeah, you can look at it that way. But when it's the fourth quarter and you're up by 12 points over a good team, 100% those things creep in your head. They just do as a fan. They just do. So, ah. And and look, I think part of it for me, I think for a lot of people is like, you just want your team to be playing like meaningful games in December. Yeah. Like, right. can I watch sure. the Bears 
and see us on the In the Hunt graphic in December. Can I please have that? I, I live for the In the for the In the Hunt you graphic. You love the In the Hunt I graphic. I live for it. You know how jacked I get when they show that thing and there the Bears are at four and seven, but they're not. They're, they're still there. They're still on the graphic. And, and you know, you got guys, I don't know. You watch out for the Bears at four and seven. They, they might go on a little run here. God, I just, I wanted it. I wanted it so bad, but you can't have it because the coaching staff is trash. And, mm. At the end of the year... Are we going to look – let's throw out the tyson Bajan games. Okay. At the end of the year, are we going to look at the Denver game and this game as, like, the biggest missed opportunities? I'm, I mean, in, in, in what sense? As far as, like, what you said, like, in the hunt, meaningful games in November and, like, now, like – because if you win those – if you win yesterday and you win the Denver game, you're five and six. Huh. You're right there. To your point. So that so yes, yes, and that's a great thing to recognize, right? Because those two games were direct reflections of the coaching staff. So if you're Ryan Poles, it's and more even, reasons to be like And even honestly, now the Packers game too. That first Packers game. I mean, that team was objectively bad, but you were never really in the game. Right, but that's what I mean. Yeah. I guess, so that's another data point for you had all year, all summer to prepare for this game and you got blown out by a team that's not not good. Not good and not much better than you are, if at all. So yeah. that's just another thing that I mean. But I, I think like to the Bucks like, game was winnable. That team's not good. Winnable, yeah, but I still like But the, sure it wasn't what, like a mess. How they were playing yeah. at the time, like they but yeah, sure. I, I mean, but I, I feel like we're gonna look at the Denver game and this game as like the two biggest chances that you kind of blew it for your season. Yeah, I mean, you 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 really did. I mean, I, barring it, something in the next six games, right? Obviously. Like, but if like, you were to, to win, point, go winless the next six games, then right. it's like, well, or you would have had five wins anyway. But like, if you end up, like, if you end up with six wins, like, there's a chance the way the NFC is constructed right now that the final wild card team will be under five hundred. There is a chance that eight, that occurs. Nine. Sure, eight nine, just the way that's structured right now. If the Vikings collapse and the rest of these teams eight nine ten collapse, like, uh, or not even collapse, but stay at their current pace, like, mm-hmm. and then if that happens. Then yeah, you're like, oh my god, the bar was this low to make the playoffs. We had it literally at the tips of our fingers, and it just slipped through, like sure. the Jalen Johnson missed interception pick six. So <laughs> that was the that was the Bears' playoff hopes right there, going through his hands. Sure. Um, damn man, because could you imagine the scenes if Justin Fields led like a five game win streak and the Bears sneak into the playoffs in the seventh seed and then like play the Lions in the first round and beat the Lions? Because I think like. Oh my God! The scenes. I, I just no. That would guarantee Eberflus a job. So you would. Right, uh, and you would be cooked. There. You know. Yeah. And here's okay. So Real when we're Sophie's choice. Speaking of coaches, the other good thing about the game yesterday mm-hmm. is Ryan Poles in that box up there. If he's paying attention, if Kevin Warren's paying attention, right? Because we talk about this in a second. But I think Ryan Poles. I, I'm. I was a little skeptical. I think we both were about Ryan Poles' job security and his ability to run this team as the GM a couple weeks ago, and I think that's completely changed, um, especially after what I know about his opinions on fields. But he had a fresh look at what's the best candidate for head coach in the sure. NFL. Fresh look. That's a good point. Watched and, and watched that guy operate and structure an offense that scored twelve point or sco- scored 14 points in under four minutes. He raced a 12-point deficit yep. with just – Beautiful play design with a bad creativity Jared Goff game too. With a bad right, three interceptions. Right, you lost the turnover battle by three. It ain't Ben Johnson's fault that sure. that happened. And he found a way to rally his troops and and, and lead his team to win. That is still the guy. And Eberflu or and and Poles and Warren got a fresh look at him up close, and they'll get another fresh look at him at home in a that's couple weeks. Do your homework because that's your guy, and you cannot miss on him. You can't. 
It's a good point. I do worry that if Johnson had the decision between like the Bears job and the Chargers job, might choose to go with Justin Herbert, but I mean that's a different conversation for a different day, obviously. Um no, I agree. Uh Ben Johnson is still candidate numero uno in my book as well. Um hundred percent. Keep Bill Belichick away from this team. I'm good on that. Um but I'm I'm so good on that. I'm, yeah, I think I'm good on I'm it too. I'm so good on that. But, it, but would it surprise you? Like, greatest coach, second greatest coach of all time, goes to charter franchise to break John Shula's record. If if Kevin Warren wasn't in charge, I would I wouldn't be surprised. Like if it was still George McCaskey and Ted Phillips making all the shots, uh, calling all the shots, then yeah, I would be like, yeah, he's going to be the head coach of the Bears. Hopefully, just, hopefully. Kevin Warren shows some restraint um, because that would be truly terrible. I'm really good on that, but uh, I digress. All right, anything else from the game, Kevin? Well, uh, real quick, um, did you see Martellus Bennett's tweets about the organization? I did not. Oh, go look that up right now. Open up Twitter right now. So former Bears tight end Martellus Bennett went on a Twitter thread rant about the Bears organization, McCaskies, and how they run it, and yada, yada, yada. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, more things on the game. Again, Impressed with the Bears' defense. They collapsed in the end. Part of it's not their fault, right? When the Bears went down, were up were up five, went out there with, what was it, 250 to go, ran three plays in 15 seconds, right? The two runs and then the deep shot to Tyler Scott. What the hell was that play calling? Terrible. Bears' defense is tired as hell. They spent literally like 15 seconds of game clock on the bench, and then, here you, you trot back up against one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. Like, that was bound to happen. But, God, were they watching tape from the 2018 game with Jared Goff uh, on the Rams against the Bears? I mean, they just were picking this dude apart. Tyreek Stevenson making plays. Gervon Dexter really impressed me, tipping that ball, getting the interception uh, to Tremaine Edmonds with the tip, just wreaking havoc. Montez Sweat, first NFL sack, as I predicted in my bold predictions, uh, just wreaking havoc all over the place. Like, Coverage on in the secondary, really, really good. Linebackers playing well. TJ Edwards lying around the field. Jack Sanborn getting in the mix on pressure. Like, I was really, really impressed with the way the Bears defense played. And that's the positive thing about this team. And when we talk about the, you know, congruency, is that even a word? Uh, like, I, just the congruence of, like, moves versus, like, the moves that have been made. Right in the offseason and midseason with the trade deadline with Montez Sweat, like we struggled to understand. All right, you're giving all of these young players like good three or four year contracts for presumably a Super Bowl window that was supposed to open next year. And I think still can if you hire the right coach and keep Justin Fields. Like now it makes sense. Like if you keep Justin Fields, it makes sense. If you reset the clock with another quarterback, you could make the argument that that guy could still be successful enough for you to win year one, but it's just likely not the case with a rookie. But if you keep Justin Fields now, you have an unbelievable core on defense. Sure. Like, you have a lot of really talented players and a ton of cap space this year and a high draft pick to, to bolster that. Like, you could really make this a good football team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like, it kind of gets you a little bit excited and amped up when you think about it. Um, but, God, if you... Uh, that's why, again, I didn't understand why they were trading for Montez Sweat at the time if I knew they were going to, and at the time I figured that they would draft a quarterback because I thought they were out on Justin Fields. But at this point, it all makes sense, right? Yeah. Like if you trade for Montez Sweat and you have all this money allocated to defenders on three to four year deals, like 
you have to keep this together because your sure. money reflects that. So I was just impressed with the Bears' defense. Did you read the Martellus Bennett's tweets? Yeah, I just read the whole thing. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let you uh, speak about that because Ian Rapport just dropped a report. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this for a second. So so speak on – tell me what <laughs> you had to say about, about, what? Uh, about Justin Fields' future. Okay. Uh, so I want to listen to this real quick. But what did you think about Martellus Bennett's tweets? Uh yeah, I mean, it, everything that Martellus Bennett said makes sense. Like, that the Bears build everything on the past, and they try to sell you on nostalgia. That makes sense. I mean, how many, other than the occasional Justin Fields, like, commercial, you don't really see any of these guys being marketed. How much have we seen Montez Sweat be marketed since he got to Chicago? Like, it's just, you know, DJ Moore is around, but, like, you don't see it, like, thrown in your face. And it just, yeah, it makes sense. I, I think that Martellus Bennett's thread on Twitter is completely correct and that you don't ever see ownership trying to push or market anything about the future other than like the stadium sort of, but that's not really going to get anybody jazzed up, especially when you're leaving Chicago probably for it. So I completely agree with all of that. And I think it makes a lot of sense when you have players start to come out, recent players, especially yeah. start to come out and say those things. I think that that is like a very huge indictment. I think a, sign of that things are going to change i mean we haven't has any other foreign player really done that like that like a public used like, to be lance briggs used lance to briggs. well a little bit that, on twitter well, but like it's been a while Not, but like done it. martellus bennett's like the most recent like bear yeah, yeah. it was like 2015 that he was last on the team or whatever um and he's kind of a he, he he can be a little crazy with his opinions sometimes, but I I mean he was he was speaking the truth, and I think everything that he said is is consistent with what we believe about the organization. Um, so it wasn't a surprise to anybody. Right, we've um, been saying this. We've been saying this, and we all kind of know it. But it was almost like good to hear, and, and just this whole idea of like not a forward thinking mindset and trying to recreate the past. And that's yep. exactly like we know that that was they they and and. and that's why I think, like, what Ryan Pace was good at with this team was I think he really was hell-bent on changing that. Like, I sure. really do. Like, yeah, they did spend a lot of money on defense, and and and, and they traded the picks for Khalil Mack and all that, but he hired a really, a, a, a really what he thought was a forward-thinking head coach. Sure. He ended up drafting a quarterback in Justin Fields who, you know, was an African-American quarterback, you know, sure. for this team and was, you know, just completely different from the pocket passer and guys that, you know, that they've wanted you for this team. You saw differences. You saw differences. Like, and I think you start to see a little, you, you, you've seen a little bit of it now. And that's why I get scared that, like, we've always thought that the GM and Kevin Warren are just puppets of the guys sure. above. Um, and they're doing everything that they can to make this not the case. But, like, when it comes down to it, like, if th does McCaskey ha truly have, does he truly have an opinion in the head coach decision making? And if that's the case, then okay, that explains the Eberflus decision, right? Like, oh, let's go back, let's rebuild the Bears, you know, Tampa 2, Lovey Smith defense, yep. right? Like, like let, let, let's do that again. And it makes you a little bit fearful that they'll kind of do that thing the next time around. But, I don't know. I mean, like, again, they did hire Matt Nagy. It's not like they hired, you know, a defensive coordinator. And, like, no, I'm not saying that was good, but when you talk about, like, right. ideology of the head there coach you're hiring, of, there, yeah. there was a difference. Um, but hearing that just makes it so much more likely that they're just going to hire him, Jim Harbaugh. Which, like, wouldn't be a bad thing again. Sure. But, like, it's consistent with this idea right. of recreating the past. And You oh, know they would love to have that press conference of, we're, we're oh, bringing Jim home. We're bringing, we're bringing the Bears back to the Bears, to blah, blah, it. blah. 
You know, yeah, you know. I mean, it's why why do you think the Bears bring in so many players that are from the Chicago land area? Yeah. So it's not coincidence. But yeah, I mean, whatever. Uh this this kind of turned into kind of a rant about against ownership, but well, all, I mean, in, all, it, it all in all, like a good like Panthers lose, Fields plays well, but you lose. Across the board, pretty positive. And I know it stings that you could have been in the hunt, but now you just this it's the Justin Fields, you know, two months. It's the Justin Fields experience, and it's all about him the rest of the way. And hopefully you get flashes from guys like like Tyler Scott, maybe maybe he makes uh, a bounce back, and you hope that guys, the guys you paid money to, TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, Montez Sweat continue to play well. Darnell Wright continues to progress. Maybe we see some Roshan Johnson flashes as the time Saw goes yesterday. on. So, yeah, and, and that too, a lot of your young guys, like Tarek Stevenson had an interception. That was great. And a fumble. So, like, you're seeing, like, this is what it's going to be. It's player evaluation for the rest of the way. So, I know that's not maybe the most exciting thing to say, but... It's it's what happens when you're three and eight. <laughs> yeah, and look, what you're saying is true. And if there's any hope for Bears fans, like I know it's just suffering and it's pain and it's just a dagger to the heart week after week after week. But like if you do kind of take a holistic view of this thing and you do kind of take a step back and like, all right, we understand it's bad, but let's go piece by piece. And you just kind of hinted at it. Like the young players are good. Maybe Ryan Poles is a good drafter. Like, Darnold Wright sure. is a home run. He neutralized Aiden Hutchinson yesterday, aside from the final play totally of the yeah. game. Right? Like, uh, for mo- uh, that's still an A day for me yeah. against Aiden Hutchinson. A rookie right tackle and against a- Aiden Hutchinson. Right. Yes, like it's an very, a day. very good. Rookie players playing good. Free agent players playing good. TJ mm-hmm. Edwards is, like, I think top three in the NFL in tackles. Tremaine Edmonds getting an, inter- an, an, an interception, right? Like, the like DJ Moore, like, continuing to prove the value that, especially with the way Bryce Young has played, like, continuing to prove that that was one of the biggest fleeces in NFL trade history, right? Like, when you do look at this team, you look at the nucleus. Like, right now, Matt Eberflus, you are not in the nucleus. Like, you right. are on the outside. When you look at the nucleus, Justin Fields, DJ Moore, core pieces on offense, core pieces on defense. The offensive line, the young players on the offensive line, you're probably a one big free agent center away from having a very good offensive line. Like when you look at everything, you can still make the case that if you get a couple of things to go right in the offseason, if you get a good head coach who knows how to build around Justin Fields and you spend the right money and you make the right picks in the draft, this, Jake, this could be like a legitimate 10 11 win team next year if they do sure. it the right way. Like that is schedule in permitting play. too. Schedule permitting too, right? And it's always hard to tell. You don't know what teams are going to be the following year, but. That is in play, and that is a huge thing to recognize. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely players that rede- there's redeeming qualities about this roster. Depends on who you get as the coach. Depends where you allocate your money in free agency and how you draft. So that it, it, this all makes sense. It's a lot of player evaluation the rest of the way, and against teams that you can put up numbers against offensively. And like I said, it's not the most fun to root for losses, but. If there's ways that the players can continue to progress and look good and you still lose these games, that's fine with me. And I know that's an unpopular take, but whatever. Um, All right. This has been Bears Nation Podcast, though. This has been another edition of this lovely, lovely show. Uh, We'll be back on Wednesday to preview the Monday night game against the Vikings and get you ready for that as you go into your holiday weekend. So join us for that. But as always, for Bears Nation Podcast, this I just completely reverse that i'm jake son that's kevin lapka this has been bears nation podcast we'll see you on wednesday and as always until then bear down i guess